we are rolling. Welcome to another episode of The Sidelines. Uh, as always, my name is Courtney Sages Hearts, and I'm here <laughs> with my man, Az. How are you, bro? I'm going good. Thanks, Courts. What about yourself? Yeah, I'm chugging along all right. Uh, for those of you that don't realize we live in Melbourne, we are back in lockdown. Go team. <laughs> We're running it back. <laughs> so technically, Aaron's breaking the law, I think, by being here. No, we're working. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we are working. This is an official uh, sports media. It's essentially non-essential, but essential. Yeah, we're basically the ESPN of our suburb. Yeah. Yeah. But we're not owned by Disney. No, we're definitely not owned by Disney. But could be. We're not really hitting the (laughs) diversity boxes. (laughs) But we do play like Disney princesses in contact sports. Uh, Very true. Mate, I want to start off with something slightly left field, left okay. of centre, a little odd. I'm going to describe to you something and you need to tell me what you think it is that I'm describing. Do I get to ask questions during these things? No. So it's not questions, I just got to guess. Yeah, to, at the end, I'm going to ask you to tell me what I'm actually talking about. Do I get warmer? no warmer or colder? No, nothing. So when do I guess? At the end? At the end. Not during? No. Okay. I've got to sell it. Okay. Right. This this just feels like you you guys, this is the most red herrings I've seen since that last flock of red herrings I ran into. <laughs> <laughs> this could either make or break our podcast. All right. Okay. I don't want to hype it up too much. Now, this is all true as well. I'm not making shit up. Okay. So that is one caveat that I'll give you. Have you taken any liberties? No. But I, I maybe slightly, uh, I might put a little bit of pizzazz. A little bit of artistic license? A little bit, but not much. Like it'll stack up in a court of law. Okay. So no Courtney Mayo on the story. No, not like my usual pub ranks that are <laughs> 60% true. That's the unders. 30% bullshit and 10% just like, Non-coherent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All delivered with the intent to damage, tear down, or overhype. <laughs> okay, here we go. What am I describing? It's run across the nation for school children. I'll keep going. There's heaps of points. I'll tell you when. Okay. Run across the nation for school children. People are blindfolded and taken to a mystery location. You are not allowed to speak unless you are given permission to speak. No showering, no hygiene activities of any kind permitted. A song will play in the background to humiliate you and shame you at all times. So at all times there's just, you know, speakers going blasting songs that are going to humiliate you and shame you. Wait, just a question. Yeah. What was the first point again? Did you say every school children? No, but it is it is run has was described as run for school children. Oh, okay. So, so it, it's, it's not, not like exclusively for school kids, like I'm but I'm just saying like it's the original intent of what this was was designed for and yeah. partaken by school children. Yeah, and it's been what's well, been advertised as something that's run across nations for school children. Okay. 
Um, so songs humiliate you. By the way, you've already broken the rules by asking a question, but that's that's fine. I'll let it go. No, I was I was wasn't <laughs> questioning what it was. I was questioning the qu- the fact that you gave me. <laughs> yeah. In a kind of like, did he actually just say that? Yeah. All right. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So songs playing to humiliate you. Fake firearms are all around you. So people might be carrying them, for instance, but you don't know they're fake. They're designed to convince you that they're fake. Sorry, that they're real. Messing with time zones can occur. So, you know, things deliberately done to throw your body clock out, to confuse you what's going on. I know I'm breaking the rules. This is Australia. I can neither <laughs> confirm nor deny. <laughs> there are no phones and no internet whatsoever. So you're, you're stuck. Some of the things that occur whilst doing this activity. You are instructed to face another person and stare at them and follow their eyes, switching from their left to their right eyes. People that partook in this activity, there were people fainting and being taken to hospital. Just reiterating, this is advertising something run across the nation for school children. Cultural items are used in group discussions. So like passed around and then once it comes to you, it's your turn to talk. If people in those discussions from different cultural backgrounds or the background of the cultural item being passed around are offended, they were told or permitted to just leave if it bothers you that much. Cool. It's a a very considerate behaviour. Some other things that happen on this uh, wonderful thing. Uh, You would get harnessed to a tree and the harness would have a little bit of like, say, rope behind it and it's a bit elastic. And then a knife would be laid out a short distance in front of you. And it's your job to crawl towards the knife, but the harness obviously provides resistance that you've got to overcome. But whilst you're performing that activity, um, people that are there with you, it's their job to hurl feedback towards you. Uh, It could be abuse. Uh, In some instances, traumatic experiences that had happened to you that were shared during the pass the stick around cultural activity discussion or things that were divulged to other people or the organizations etc um things like you know domestic violence stories deeply personal traumas um you know relationship breakdowns so and done to sort of mock harm humiliate whilst you're trying to cut yourself free from a harness that's got you attached to a tree. Mm-hmm. This is all at like 5 a.m. in the morning as well. Yep, with yeah. What do you think I'm describing? Monday. <laughs> uh, look, I'm going to be honest. I do not really have many ideas that all just be loose, genuine dart throws. The school kids thing is the one that sort of is a bit off-putting, so I'm going to kind of just ignore that because you weren't definitive when I got one question in. So, Are you saying I was aloof? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, from the outset, it looks very like 
training you for SAS to break people or what they might do to other individuals at Guantanamo Bay when they're bored. So that's pretty much going to be my line. Either that or some kind of like maybe the tier below SAS like scouts or um, something like that. All right. You're close in theory, but wrong. As I was expecting. Guess what this was. Oh, is this the Adelaide Crows thing? The Adelaide Crows camp. <laughs> yes, I knew it. That's what I clicked on. For those that don't know, but you should know, this is the infamous Adelaide Crows camp that occurred after their grand final loss to Richmond a couple of years ago by 40-odd points. They were destroyed. This is the camp that occurred that destroyed the football club and now sees it dead last two years later with half the team's gone in a mass exodus you're very lucky that i haven't read the paper in the last week aren't you (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so i saw this these articles coming out and i just kind of ignored it and then a friend said no no, you gotta read it and i read like and this is just some of the stuff like i've just sort of cherry-picked some of the more fun elements of it but it is effectively like some kind of army training type thing isn't it well it is but the issue was the people running it and not SAS army trained guys They were just like Your kind of cliche You know Personal leadership Will grow you into A powerful human being Like those kind of You know Dingbats that you see On LinkedIn Talking about their Leadership framework Do they have a YouTube channel now? (laughs) 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 Yeah (laughs) The Adelaide camp What's even scarier is This was approved by the AFL Integrity Unit after an investigation. Jeez. (laughs) Tell you what, there's some uh, loose collars. A lot of uh, going on. The run across the nation for school children. This was on the company's website. And the company, when they got busted, held like a little mini press conference. And that was one of the guys, like key selling points to sort of calm everyone's concern down is this program's designed for school children. I don't know what fucking school is going to tie kids up to a tree and put a knife in front of them and say, cut yourself free while all of your classmates hurl abuse at you. It's very strange. What would they think that is going to work though? Well, apparently it was designed, uh, it was like to break down their fears and humiliation and build their resilience. But instead all they ended up doing was destroying (laughs) their playing list. And... Now, like, that it's coming out more and was, like, some of the players are talking about it. It was kind of sparked by Mark Rusciuto's moronic shit the other week where he said, no, 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 they all left for money and because we were moving on from them. So now they're all starting to clearly go, actually, this is what went down. Ooh, I love it. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, Charlie Cameron, Eddie Betts publicly said he was losing, like, love for the game a year or so ago. I mean, he's left now, but remember he was talking about going to the Gold Coast. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously Hugh Green was left, but Mitch McGovern, remember he yeah, just sort right. of randomly after signing an extension, then just goes, nah, I'm out of and here. Was it Levi as well? Um, uh, Jake Lever. Oh, uh, yeah. Sorry, Lever. Um, Kirtley Hampton quit during the 2018 season in the middle of the season. Um, and apparently like, you know, they, so they were passing indigenous and indigenous I don't know what it was, but I'm assuming some sort of like material or artifact or, you know, inspired cultural item that was like passed around a campfire as like a talking stick. Um, And when the indigenous boys said, this is like, this fucked, 
the club was like, oh, well, you can go home. <laughs> you don't like the camp. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Uh, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> I mean, they effectively eradicated morale in their club just as fast as South Australia eradicated COVID. Like, <laughs> yeah, if not quicker. That was the be- that that was their plan to get rid of COVID. Take it to that thing. <laughs> so yeah, that was a game I wanted to play. Thank. That was a good game. Yeah, you are. I was, I was close. Well, yeah, and I mean, you kind of like where your mind goes to is spot on. Like it sounds like something that Navy SEALs do. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I read an article that was sort of explaining, well, yeah, this is what Navy SEALs do because you're being prepared to face death, not yeah. play football. Yeah, that's right. But like the songs to humiliate. So while they're like doing all this sort of hard yakka exercise, they're blasting the Richmond theme song <laughs> on loop out speakers. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and like, I, I forgot who it was. It wasn't, I think it was Carl Hardigan or Josh Jenkins, like doing the thing where you're staring at each other and clicking your eyes to the left and right eye. <laughs> he blacked out and got rushed to hospital or taken to the club doctor. <laughs> Fake firearms, like guys in commando outfits with fake guns, like scaring you, blindfolding you, putting you on a bus. Like they don't know where they went. So the time zone thing was New South Wales, Queensland border. Like, so some players swear they saw like the clocks change and some didn't like just messed up. Mind you, they've got to do that. I remember like like one training session, I had a slightly iffy hammy and it was a bit drizzly. I was like, I'm out. I am done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, I, like I'm riffing on them for the whole thing. and But, yeah, I mean, if you put me in that environment, I would have failed mightily. I would have been good at hurling abuse at teammates, though. I probably would have enjoyed that on some weird level. Yeah. Just talking smack, trying to razz them up. But apparently it started off with the whole like, oh, you're no good. You can't get free, mate. You're a sook. And then just went real dark because it was purposely designed where like secrets had been divulged. So they were then using like, you know, oh, your missus cheated on you with, you know, Patrick Cripps last summer, like that kind of stuff. Dark. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) On a brighter note, your favourite... Australian media personality at it again. Yeah, I don't love him, but honestly, it's, it's been a pretty good week. Um, <laughs> we beat Collingwood on Friday night and looked... I don't even think we looked sharp. We just beat them. Mm. But this last few days, like watching Eddie go into a tailspin of his own doing, like it's, it's funny. Yeah. Like it's... He cannot seem to get out of his own way. He, like, and, and he's in a position that he should never have been in, where he's unwilling to step aside from one aspect of his career to benefit the other one more. Like, what more did he have to get out of playing both sides, mm. being a media and a president? Yeah, like, be a backseat president. I think. Um yeah, and it look like the context of, you know, when Jack Stephen got, I mean, which is a ludicrous when I say this out loud, was stabbed by a girl. Ex-girlfriend. An ex-girlfriend and missed a couple of weeks of footy. Eddie was going hard in the press saying, 
tell us what's going on. We want to know all the details. Still, Sidebottom ends up half naked, breaks all the rules, gets it suspended for four weeks, and Eddie doesn't want to talk about it and wants everyone to respect the privacy and it's a non-issue. He's proud of him. Yeah, he's proud of him. That's right. <laughs> I'm, very, I'm proud of him. He doesn't drink very much. He got on the sauce. It's like AFL footballers are not supposed, at the best of times, they're not supposed to drink at yeah. all. Most clubs have, like, you only get a handful of, like, alcoholic beverages, like, a year kind of thing. You got to really, like, put in for it. Yeah. I think, like, the Hawks three-peat team, they had, like, a no alcohol during the season policy. I mean, I mean, who knows if players are adhering to it. But, you know, if you're at a footy club and Luke Hodge says, don't drink this year, I'm not going to drink. Yeah. Like, I think it was, for the most part, it's always like, you know, if it's a wedding, you can have a couple kind of thing. But it's not, like... It's very, very low-key. Yeah, it's very different to your head coach coming out at a presser and saying, look, he went to uh, Jeremy Howe's house and and then he went to Daniel Wells's and this is my bad Buckley impression, by the way. And then, you know, it, and I think his words were kind of escalated from there <laughs> to, to ending up half naked in Williamstown. But then, but then like, um, DeGoey coming out now and it's... Yeah, um, sexual assault charge from a few years back. And then he's just like, no, nothing to see there. And it's just like, if again, it doesn't matter if you play, if you play the cards the same way, no matter who they dealt, then no one cares. But he can't, hmm. like, because if he does that and goes hard on Collingwood, then they're just like, well, don't be a president. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, the, like, I I was sitting there trying to rack my brain, going, I cannot think of another person on the planet who's a club president. And also the league's biggest mouthpiece, both in a journalistic talk show commentary sense. I well, see, JB did it for a while. With North, yeah. But then he stepped away from North. I think it just got to... I don't think he had anything else to gain from being the president of North Melbourne and then being a commentator. He was, he was very, like... Again, it's a hard line to walk. Yeah. Well, he... And he came in when North was basically cooked and he almost used the Eddie methodology of bringing a brand and a mouthpiece to the footy club to Mm. sort of get a bit of like rah-rah behind the club. He did a great job and he saved it from, Oh yeah. I mean, well, time will tell, but I'm still not convinced North will last forever, but. But see, maybe it used to work when Eddie was just on the footy show as the medium host. Like he wasn't really, he didn't really have opinion, like heavy opinions or anything. He was more just the, the navigator directing the conversation, pulling people into line, moving the show on. But now that his media presence is that, you know, he's on Triple M every morning and, you know, he's on you know, Fox footy, he does footy classified, which I'm surprised he's on anymore because that's not really a, a scene that I think he'd be comfortable in. That's more like the, that's your journos, that Kaz. Yeah, well, Caro is like professional mudslinger. Oh, yeah. She was born in the mud. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Lloydie is like becoming a professional mudslinger. I mean, they have Kane Corns, professional mudslinger. But Hutchie's on there, and like what? Oh, I mean, Gary Lyon's not on it anymore. Ross Lyon comes on. But they're then they've got no ties to clubs anymore. Yeah, they just get to say. I mean, they just get to say what they want, and what they see, and there's no back end dealing. But yeah, Eddie being on that never going to work out well for him because mm-hmm. it's too hard hitting. Yeah, I mean, like. It'd be like Mark Cuban, excuse me, it'd be like Mark Cuban sort of like kicking Ernie off NBA on TNT and becoming the host of NBA TNT, ESPN First Take, um, 
you know, he's the Dallas Mavericks owner, but he becomes the biggest mouthpiece in the league. But then as soon as someone else does something wrong, he's all over it like a rash. But if one of his own players do something, no, no, it's a hush hush. Oh, what happened? Oh, we just paid Nowitzki $85 million under the table off through one of my 17 different companies. Have you got anything to say about that? No, he deserved it. He's been a good bloke. Piss off. I'm proud of him. I'm proud of him. <laughs> but yeah, like, I don't know. He's going to... It doesn't help him that he distracts from the team, though. Like, because I don't like Kochi. Like, just don't. But he very rarely crosses the line. And he also doesn't talk about other football clubs. Ever. Like, really. He doesn't use his platform as a launch pad to get stuck into people. I mean, he does every now and then. He's mm. He can't help himself. But he's also on a breakfast radio, a breakfast TV show, not a Triple M breakfast footy show. Yeah, if he was on AFL 360, it'd be different. But, I mean, look, and you're right. I can't stand Kochi. He's a noob. But he does a good job of hustling for his footy club. And that's kind of what Eddie, you're right, Eddie used to do that. Brayshaw did that really well. Even Jeff Kennett to an extent. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> now the cognitive... Functions starting to fade a little bit. That's a different story, but <laughs> whatever. Um, the, yeah. It brings me to another good question. Who would you actually want as your celebrity owner of Frio? Ooh. Owner, president of Frio? Uh, yeah. Owner, president. We'll go like the, the NBA route where they've just bought him out. Yeah, okay. Like club mouthpiece. Yeah, and it doesn't matter, doesn't matter what position they hold on the board. They're the the buck stops with them. So I th- that qu- that answer for me is twofold. If I could go like pick someone from a different time era, I would pick like Gladiator era Russell Crowe, like when he was throwing phones at hotel concierges and stuff. Well, that's what the Sydney Roosters, no, the Rabbitohs got. Yeah, well, he effectively like you know brought them back from the dead, right? Like that kind of rusty would have been great. Mm. If I was to go like way off the deep end, I'd want Arnie. I actually thought the same thing. I thought Arnie, really? yeah, I thought Arnie'd be a really good one, just because he'd just be funny. Yeah, brand power. Like he's even in a position where he could go to like an underweight kid and be like, "You need to get into the gym." Like, and I feel like the kid would then just go and grind for two years, like free weights. <laughs> Yeah, no, I actually thought, I thought Arnie would be really cool because it'd just give you genuine spotlight. Yeah. I mean, the only downside is Frio could test positive for a bunch of different kind of roids or something. <laughs> I, I wouldn't really want to be a female staff member working at Frio if Arnie's walking around. I think he's got some loose hands if you catch my drift. <laughs> the other one I thought of just then, very controversial, but I've got logic behind it. Lance Armstrong. <laughs> That's not going to end well. You can talk me through the logic. No, it's not going to end well, but it's going to end our premiership drought. We're going to win five flags and I'll get to enjoy it for a few years before it all unravels. And then you watch it on like a 10-part documentary series? Exactly. We'll get our last dance, but it'll be like the last jab and it'll be the story of Frio's rise. Mm. So unlike Essendon, you guys were test positive? Yes. Oh. Well, no, well, no. we just get pressured and pressured and pressured. The walls would start caving in until, I don't know. I won't say Nat Fife because I love my boy Fife. He'd never do it. But our captain would end up going on 
a breakfast show or an Oprah-style show and revealing that we'd been cheating for well, a long time. Well, because Lance never tested positive, did he? No. Well, if he did, we don't know about it. Like, it might have been a... There's a lot of... I watched the documentary, Lance, which if anyone hasn't seen, it's actually quite fascinating where he's still, like, he basically just doesn't give a fuck. Like, it's amazing. He sit Like, he still rationalizes it all in his head. Yeah. Uh, the whole everyone else was cheating... So I'm I do it to a point. I kind of get maybe how you go to that place if you're in that environment. But the fact that now he's still just like, nah, yeah. fuck you. Now's the weird bit. Yeah, I mean I'm on the fence about him because I I think like what he did with the charitable side of stuff, amazing. Like who didn't have that yellow wristband? Yeah, that was pretty good. But yeah, that's who I'd have. As my controversial pick, but Arnie is my like, that would be amazing. So it's a real tough line because do you just want someone that's just genuinely going to blow up your team to stratosphere level popularity? Yes. Or do you want to win? Yeah, well, I suppose you want to win. Then you'd want like, I'd want to resurrect like some army general from the past or something to sort of come in and like whip everyone into shape. Because like if you ever wanted to just blow up your team, you just, that'll blow up in a good way. You just get like Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman own your team and then everyone's just, it doesn't matter what you do, everyone's like, oh, Hugh wouldn't let them be bad. Yeah, well, even if you lose, no one's going to criticise you because they don't want to criticise Hugh. Yeah. He's like the country's golden child. Oh, and then equally, imagine Wolverine walks in pre-game. Oh, yes. Into the locker room. Nah, good. I'm going with Hugh Jackman. Is that your pick for the Bombers? It must be someone else. Hmm. I can't think for now. I might have to come back to it. Okay. We'll continue talking and I'll, I'll keep the, uh, the the cogs are turning. Prepared to take it on notice. Now, like just quickly on the footy, I know you talked about how you beat the Pies on the weekend. For anyone that doesn't know, but you should know, as is a, uh, a diehard Bombers man. Can you win the flag now that Jake Stringer's got the dreaded syndesmosis injury? Probably not. I wouldn't have said for a chance anyway. I know this is, if it was ever going to be a Stringer year, this was the year. The shorter quarters, doesn't need the tank. Just like he started on ball. It was awesome. But it's going to take a lot of work. But this year's so weird anyway. Just it'll be that one, whoever just falls into a top four and randomly gets it. Be huge. I mean, there's going to be asterisks all around, but they may as well belong to us. What would you want the club to do, though, if you make it to, say, the prelim and you're doing the handover this year with Wusher? How do you feel about that? Yeah, we're doing it. You'd still go ahead. What if you made it to the GF? You're up by three points, and in the last minute, we'll say scores are tied, and in the last minute, two of your players go up for a grab, knock themselves out. Just a freak accident. The opposition gets a ball, kicks a goal. So it's not like the coaching was the reason you lost the GF. What do you do? Do you kick a coach that dragged you? Are they properly kick? I, to be honest, sometimes I don't read enough stuff. I hadn't realised if they're properly kicking or he's sitting in the background again next year. I think that's. I think he's walking away. Was my understanding. Well, we pulled him back from the dead to come back last time. I think he's probably just spent, so it wouldn't matter. Mm. And I mean, now's as better time as any. Because look, at the time, everyone would point to, you know, Bucks going to Collingwood. I don't think that worked for a long time. No. And I don't think now it's pretty obvious Simon Goodwin going to the D's to replace Ruzy. 
Yeah, you but could make a case that that's not working. But the other thing that was different is Bucks got there and just went, I don't want anybody who is a Malthouse man yeah. and just cleared shop. Whereas at least in this one, like Truck and Wusher have like built this team sort of together. It hasn't really been a separate thing. So that helps a lot. Um, like Bucks is too stubborn. He just doesn't want those guys. And that's why they sucked for years. I mean, they're good. They're good now and they deserve to be. But again, if you come in and want to put your own brand on it as opposed to just ride out the wave, then that's the, that's the thing you're going to face. Yeah. Well, got rid of Heath Shaw, who's then gone on to play ugly more games for GWS and still probably the premier loose ball defender in the comp. Yeah, I think that was a huge mistake. Can't get rid like for no reason. That to me is a flag if they hadn't have made that move. Like yeah. against West Coast in that GF, they when the when that tide started to push against their back line, a heater would have just Oof. He's never dropped off. No. Nah, he's a gangster. Yeah, I like him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't say that about many Collingwood players, but I like he sure. But he's GWS now, so I'm not allowed to do that. Maybe it's just also that respect for wasn't he the one in the Ute that just like that was had him. a crash like in the Collingwood car park or, on also, the gas? Also on Eddie's watch. Him and Didac. What is it with the pies and imploding? Because then you got like Heredier with his accusations or claims or I mean, I suppose they're not even accusations because you got ex teammates going, Yeah, I heard it. Like the pies are just under the Below torch at the moment. I don't know. Just get that popcorn straight in my belly. <laughs> so, courts. I don't know if you've seen anything recently in the golf world. Yes. But there's big things happening. Explain. Uh, Russian DeChambeau. Amazing name. Yeah, it's really hard for me to say. <laughs> It doesn't matter which way I say it. I'm always going to say it the wrong way. Golf has a, for a sport that's not really alpha in brand, they have a lot of amazing names. Oh, yeah. Peak names. Yeah. I mean, I, even just Tiger Woods is an incredible name when you think about it. Yeah, you've got to be pretty baller to just be like, I'm rolling with Tiger. You mean the animal? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going with Tiger. But it's like Usain Bolt's parents. Like, did they just know? I feel like my mum and dad stitched me up by giving me a normal goddamn name. Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Better than my name. I mean, I like my name, but I've lost track the amount of times that I've gone for like a job interview and they've gone, hi, we're looking for uh, Courtney. I'm like, yeah, that's me. Oh, no, 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 Courtney. That's me. <laughs> and then people always go, isn't that a girl's name? I'm like, no, I'm actually named after a six foot ten West Indian cricketer from the 80s. So I'm named after a giant black guy with an amazing rig <laughs> and an even better Yorker and outside off stump bouncer. Can't you see the family resemblance? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but yes, Bryson. So the big news out of the, uh, the break in the golf world, and it's all talk of the town, is that uh, Bryson has put on a solid 45 pounds of muscle. Of muscle? Yes, so of not muscle. Just, not just what we've put on eating. No, actual muscle. Confirmed muscle. Jesus. So he's a pretty, oh, I wouldn't say he was a big lad beforehand, but I don't know. We'll give him a, a 90 kilo, 90 to 100 kilo maybe kind of frame. 80 to 90, I don't know. I'm not very good at judging weight. But he's solid. But yeah. what, 45 pound is effectively 18, 18 kilos. 18 so you, kilos. 
18 kilos of pure muscle. In a couple of months. Three months. Oh. So and he, he's a big unit, right? He's not like a skinny dude that's never met carbs. No. So he was sizable anyway, but yeah, now, so yeah, he's, he's big, he's big dude. So he's come out now though, and he's upped his driving distance. Again, I've got to talk in yards because it's all the... Yeah, yeah, that's all it right. It is, but it's 315 yards up to 350 yards. What? Yeah, so he's got a circa, what, 35, 10, 10, 15% driver increase. Is that roids? No. Strong room. Just Balkan. Just Balkan. Just Arnie. Maybe he's had Arnie as his yeah. president, coach, mentor. But it's huge because it's um it's starting to raise some questions in the golf world around then like not really liking it. So for the most part, a lot of the golf courses have been become who can just bomb it. Who can bomb it long? Because it's easier for those pros to come in with a shorter club. And Rory used to be to be honest, he's like the big big hitter. He's my height, but Jeezy just wallops it. But like him and Dustin Johnson and those kind of boys, they're always at the top end. But now, yeah, like Bryson, he's 30 yards longer on average sort of thing than those guys, and it's huge. Yeah, yeah, now there's all this talk about, you know, they changed the tour ball. Do they make it harder, like 80% effective and, you know, lengthen the course? And then other guys like, we're not all hitting that far. Come on, Jesus. Um, but yeah, it's very, very interesting. But he actually won on the weekend. So, yeah, um, wow. So his theory is, and um, he's always like the other side of him. He's renowned as this. Um, they call him the astronomer, even though he doesn't do astronomy. He just did physics. But astronomer sounds better. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he used to, he he was the first one who actually trialed uh, the same length clubs. So normally, when you have your driver down to your wedges, they all slightly become shorter and shorter and that sort of assists with um you know changing the distance and distance distance control and how it feels but he had same length clubs um and the lofts would change but he had different weights on the back of them so it's a very advanced system he had i only wanted to do it on the pro tour um they always used to just pretty much go oh he's the scientist you know he's the astrophysicist you know oh um he went away from that and then just decided to put on all of the muscles because um, this is his new theory, and I love it. But yeah, he's just absolutely like ripping it, like ripping it, ripping it. This is a victory for thick boys. Oh yeah, <laughs> this is a victory for thick boys out there. It's like if John Daly wasn't just a big fat dude. Yeah. Well, he John Daly could still pump a drive. Oh Let's yeah. Let's not forget that. Yeah, and was that mobile red that he was just sucking down? <laughs> yeah, with those. Um, remember the like. I don't know if they were Bollets or Oakleys. Remember, like those, like the wraparounds. The, yeah, the wraparounds with the metallic lens, like oh. the polo, like the little polo collared shirt that was just the buttons were like hanging on for dear life on the chest. But no, it's it's just it's very very interesting um, how that's going to work. But it's it's a ploy that doesn't always work on every course. So yeah, often for the big boys, um, they can all dominate the. I mean, they're still great courses, but we'll call them outside the majors where it's just a length game and they're all shooting 10 under rounds and stuff that makes you sick. But it'd be interesting to see when they're allowed to go back onto the big stuff if it translates to a win. So it's exciting times. Well, let's be frank. For years, we've watched as major sports are becoming more about athletes versus talent. And I'm not trying to say current athletes don't have talent, but... 
like footy. We're never going to see a Stuart Jew 08 grand final ever again with the way the game is. No. Every footballer looks like a 400-meter runner now or an 800-meter runner. Yeah, unless you're an, like an athlete. And then and now the other side of it, which is I think is probably more disappointing, is they just take flyers on athletes and try to teach them the game. Correct. And that's not just an AFL. That's, you know, soccer and NBA. I mean, NBA's always been a little bit different. You've got to be... They always... You know, it's a bit smaller court. You don't need to take sort of flyers. But AFL's always been built around... You can still dominate by having a football brain. But this is why I'm excited when I see guys like Gorney and Grundy dominating the game. because And then I see Nikola Jokic dominating the NBA. So I'm like, yes, yes. We want a resurgence in guys who look like me with their body shape, <laughs> like couch bodies. But see, there's a real chance someone like Tom Brady just doesn't get drafted. I mean, he barely got drafted then. We probably wouldn't have been drafted now. I mean, now your, your QBs are all dual threat. Um, they're all as fast, if not faster, than the running backs and the wide receivers. Like, they're huge. I mean, even Mahomes, like, they, they don't have these X factors to show up on all the different athletic reports to even really get into the into the dance. Who started that, Cam Newton? Uh, no, nah, before that would have been Michael Vick. Oh, Vick, yeah. Yeah, he before was... Before the dog fights. Yeah, before that. <laughs> but when he, came, when he came out, he was like, no one had ever seen a QB who just ran. Yeah. But then from there, it's almost like now the story is you have to almost by default be a running QB, even if you're not. Tebow conflated it a little bit, didn't he, for a while? Yeah, Tebow was pretty good at it. Yeah. But at what? You've got, for the most part, there's not many just pocket passing QBs anymore. Mm. Drew Brees. Yeah. But if he's, he's your lad back in the league. <laughs> yeah. But he's, again, he's one of the last, like he's an old guard. Yeah. Like Philip Rivers. Old guard. Rogers. I mean, Rogers, Rogers is a pretty good scrambler though. Yeah. So he, he still jogs, but he's not that. He's not running like QB sweeps or draws very often. Whereas Lamar Jackson and, I mean, Cole Murray and any of the new boys coming in, they're all doing it. So, look, I like the shift back to maybe there's a chance that people doing different things might get a crack and to be able to take it. I mean, you've still got to be good. Like at the end of the day, someone putting on 45 pound of muscle, like to be on the pro tour in golf, you've got to be doing a few things all right. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm all in. Like I've only seen him play a little bit, but he's already at the top of my pile. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, and that's why I laugh at like footy. Like at the moment, everyone's whinging about the scoring, the this, the that, the quality of the game. And I'm like, well, what do you expect? You can't draft dudes based on their skills anymore. They've got to be able to run 14 fucking kilometers a game. Of course, set shot kicking is going to go downhill. You're relying on someone to be run at the end of a game. They've done 12 and a half Ks and they've got to have the poise, the ability to lower their heart rate, focus and kick a set shot from 40 meters. Imagine my shock that the skills are going down. And I mean, there's those guys back in the day who might not have been able to do that, but they just had laser skills and the coaches were okay with that because they were that good users. But now it's like, well, we'll just wear it. We can bog, we can lock it in. You know, if they hit the target, you know, they're still hitting targets. Don't get me wrong. But they're just not what some of the other ones who could get away with it were. Sam Mitchell. Yeah. Pendles. I mean, I mean Pendles is hanging on. He's still elite. But, you know, those guys are becoming dinosaurs. Yeah, that's right. 
slow of pace, but just amazing instincts. Well, now, like in the NBA, if you can't shoot a three, you're cooked. You're not. You're not even getting a go in now. Yeah, I mean, it's why, like a guy like Rudy Gobert, you have to be that much of a defensive, athletic freak. Otherwise, you can't get a game if you can't drop threes. Hmm. I know. I just, but someone's going to bring it back. I, like I think it's my man Joker, but I think Embiid could do it too. I want to see someone just go in the post, back up to the ring, lob it into the big guy in the post, so we can finally. Don't get me wrong. I love watching three ball basketball, but after a while, I just want to see a big guy bullying someone in the paint the way Shaq used to. I don't know. It's just not. They just need him to be too fit. Yeah. Too explosive. Everyone, I mean. Zion will be a good one to watch, but it'll be like, you know. But even he's a freak athlete. Yeah. You're but right. It's, it's thick boy club, though. But it'll be like, if, like, does he break down? Yeah. If his body hangs on. Hmm. All right. So we're going to try something a little bit different here. Yes. I mean, we're doing a lot of that. At the moment, there's lots of different things, lots of different trials. Yeah, we're keeping it. We're keeping it original. We don't sit there and follow the same cheesy blueprint. I mean, we're like Swiss cheese. The blueprint always changes. <laughs> you don't put the holes in the same spot. <laughs> <laughs> Still cheesy. Still cheesy. <laughs> so we we're talking about what it'd be like if you won the championship. Yeah. So we're going to build some rules and some caveats around this because it's very interesting one to talk about and for those of you who don't really know what it is we'll take you on a a word journey if you will but effectively it's what we know that everybody has at one time thought about because you definitely have it doesn't matter if you say you haven't you have either when you were seven or 47 you've thought about it i said before today i was thinking about it like hours ago weeks ago (laughs) months ago uh, which is if you were able to win a championship in a sport of your choosing how would it be planned? Mm-hmm. So there's a few caveats around this. Obviously, the sport. What is happening in terms of entertainment, both pre-game and halftime. That's critical to the memory. It's very, very critical. So there's some, obviously there's some rules around that depending on your sport. There might not be halftime entertainment, but you've got to build the narrative of your success. Within that as well as the role, are you taking, are you the big dog? Do you just have the iconic moment and that's it? Or are you being realistic that you just came off the pine and had a great five minutes and that was about it? Like how delusional can your memory get or your imagination be? Yep. Uh, and within that as well, it's build, others. building the documentary. Yes. So I... Your put, last dance. Yeah, I put more thought into the documentary than, <laughs> than the moment actually. No, this is good. Well, I'll, how about I run you through it first then? Okay. Yeah. All right. Aaron. What is the sport that your championship glory takes place in? Okay, so I've heard I had some questions about this one when we were chatting before. So am I allowed to pick that this is like the end of like an era, like I've just won five in a row? Yeah. Or yeah. Is, it the, is it the first one? Or in terms of tennis and golf, have I just won Wimbledon? I, I would think that given... Uh, this is all artificial, totally conflating of our real abilities. A minor detail like that, I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> Can I, I, I'm going to probably come out and be like, I'm a dual sport athlete. <laughs> like a Bo Jackson kind of thing? Yeah. 
Yeah, okay. Um, I think the easy one for me, like uh, in the solo solo segment of sport, um, it's a toss-up between like winning the Masters or winning more um, majors than Tiger and Jack. But I probably have a hard time not saying like being like Federer with like 21 or just, an un- just a ridiculous amount of Wimbledons, like just a psycho amount. Because there's something about them that just, I don't know, probably because I've watched a lot more tennis in my time, um, they've definitely got to go around that. So I've just beaten, not Djokovic because he's done now, so it's going to be Federer's record because Rafa's going to hurt himself in his knee. So I'm going to, I've just beaten uh, Federer's record uh, at at women at Wimbledon, and Federer's giving me the cup. Iconic scene. Yep. So that's one moment of it, and that's and that's even after you tested positive to COVID because you drew Djokovic in the first round. Yeah, and he gave it to you. Like the narrator is going to bring that up in the doco. He's going to like notwithstanding the fact that he got COVID in the first round. It'd be one of those great Docker moments where they cut to old newsreel footage. You know, <laughs> there's like the news presenter going, "In other news, Aaron Pettifer tested positive to coronavirus, believed to have contracted it from Novak Djokovic." Sources say Pettifer attended one of Djokovic's post-game dance parties. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So pretty much that. In terms of an iconic moment, though, within that tennis is probably a bit flat for iconic moments. I mean, other than, I mean, for me, you're picturing like Federer and Nadal in the greatest five-setter of all time. So it's not really an iconic moment. It's just probably more an iconic match. So do you fall to the ground when you hit the winning point or do you, are you like fired up? Because it's all about the this post, like the winning point celebration. Okay, so m- let me lead you into the winning point. Okay, it's, not okay. a ca- it's not a casual ace. Okay, take me on the journey. Take me on the journey. All right, big rally, you know, big back and forth. But I'll get to like the crux of it, like, oh, tense. Like, I've just broken serve. Yeah. Like, I want to say I've just broken serve, but really at the other time, I want to be like, I was so dominant that no one was even a chance. Yeah. So I'll figure that out later. But really, it all comes down to me with that emulation of Federer's backhand, absolutely crunching one down the line, like pure fire. Like, the tennis ball is no longer there. The ball boy's like, what happened to that? Where did that go? What did he do? And the speed camera guy's like, holy shit. And that's it. Just like knocked this absolute scorching backhand down the line. You know, even the opponent, he's shattered, but he, he all he can do is just shake his head. I'm on the ground, shirt's off. I've sweated through 12 different shirts, Pat Rafter style. Like everybody's loving it. That's pretty much it. That's the, that's the iconic scene, I guess. Okay. And so you fall? Fall, definitely yeah. fall. Are you humble to... Your opponent? Yeah, tennis is really humble like that, though. Yeah. I mean, not many tennis players are coming out and they're like, yeah, yeah, I had you. Do you throw garments or wristbands into the crowd when you're celebrating? Look, that's a weird one because I feel like if you win that, you kind of want to keep that shit. Yeah, I wouldn't give it away. Fuck that. Like if I've, like, rackets, no. Shoes, no. Especially to some little kid that's pretending like, oh, I need it. I'm like, fuck that. You've bought a ticket at a championship final at Wimbledon. You're you're good. Yeah, you've been on your Game Boy the whole time or your iPad. Game Boy, Game Boy's telling my Game age. Game Boy. <laughs> Game Boy's telling my age. Yeah. So you won Wimbledon in 1991. <laughs> it was great. It was a great era. You beat Michael Chang. <laughs> but no, I would keep that sort of stuff because I would have given away everything in the, the lead up rounds. So it doesn't matter. So you're keeping everything. 
You've got charities. You've got a child charity outside the game. Yeah, I'm giving shit away. Yeah. Hero. Yeah. You're a great ambassador for the game. I absolutely am. So what song is them playing as they... Let's just say that they play like a, a championship style song. What are they playing for you during the TV credits? Because, you know, they'll roll to the TV ad break like a little bit after you're celebrated before they bring out the, mm-hmm. you know, the presentation. I had a hard time thinking of one song. Because I was like, well, is it like, you know, do you want a vic- victory song or do you want the pump up song? Because it's all about when the song is played. Because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin. Great, great like fourth set song. Like I'm coming back from there. I could be a corpse and I am back. So maybe I'll I'll cue up um, a Led Zeppelin uh, song for mid fourth set when everyone thinks I'm done. Yeah. But really, it's just a ruse. I'm just really just waiting for the song to come on. <laughs> As for the emotional win song, I can't quite nail that one. That one's a bit more trickier. Mm-hmm. I respect that. But I mean, it's not what the listeners want, but that's fine. You can sit on the fence. Well, I mean, I've just I've just nailed a backhand. Is that is is the the reverberation of my strings as I've just made sweet contact? So then, the people are watching your Last Dance style documentary. Yep. In years years later, when you're, I mean, you've won a shitload of tennis. So odds are you're one of those guys that's just rocking like puffer vests, seen on the Swiss Alps. In those kind of like look, I'm just mates. Federer. Like let's just yeah, let's yeah, just say yeah. I've I've just become Roger Federer. Yeah, like you've got some sort of like was it Barilla Pasta deal <laughs> signed with Uniqlo? Like tag don't pay me to wear their watches. I pay somehow I own them or something like some weird yeah. back end arrangement which makes no sense. You just bob up every now and then in some sort of like uh, like very European products adverts. I think I probably like. Also, like, I like the Federer style of sponsorship, but I probably wouldn't be able to do it. Like, I'm not getting sponsored by, like, Pastor Jones. I probably want to be, like, that more, probably the raffery style of a sponsorship level. But just a few little few little Federer touches in there. I could see you being, like, uh, you know, it's, like, black and white. It's, uh, like, it's, I'll set the scene of, like, your... Sorry, I'm taking your dream. No, we, this is how I could see it, your TV commercial. You're in the tailored suit, like a black suit with the white... Shirt unbuttoned a little bit. Yeah. The hair's a bit wavy and European. You're coming out of a very old European style building. Roller doors. The, um, that swivel door thing. Yeah. Yeah. I know the look. There's like a pretty girl sort of next to you. The weather's really bad. <laughs> and then like the narrator is your voice. And it's like, when the storm comes, you need a ride. Mercedes Benz. <laughs> and you hop into a new Mac. I can see that. I feel like that's every ad ever for every like movie star, just like, yeah, just just always that cliche <laughs> line. Yeah. When the weather gets bad, you don't look at the weather. You look at yourself because you can wear the storm. <laughs> we probably should have put that on the list, like your, your, your post-career like shameless commercial behavior, like to raise money for yourself. I mean, I would love the, like the, during the, during the Wimbledon event, I get like an absolute cracking Nike ad. Yeah. Cause you're retiring too. So they give you on those sweet, like where they use footage of you as like a baby on the tennis yeah. court. Yeah. And it's like, you know, real grainy and it's like me like up against like a wall hitting nothing and I'm all dusty and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And they've got like some sort of famous actor doing the like, uh, they thought you could 
they could take you down. And then it's like <laughs> when you were like 21 and you hit the drugs. So you were off the tour for like three years I've and torn, you nearly died. I've torn my ACL and they're like, they said that it was so minced. You could not come back from that. Yeah. But you did. And like a phoenix, he rose from the ashes. By the way, Matty Max narrating this. <laughs> yeah. He was also my pick for my doco. I was tossing up between Matty Mac is my narrator or Morgan Freeman. No, not Morgan Freeman. Um, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, Morpheus. Morpheus. Yeah, because yeah. I thought that'd be real. Like, probably, you'd probably like overdo it a little bit though. It's like, but I thought Matty would be like real casual, but really like, like yeah. paint a really good picture of that it. That Southern draw, like they thought he was damn. He <laughs> came back. <laughs> I've seen some dudes hit some tennis balls, but I don't know. All right. So then 30 years after you retire, they erect something for you. What is it? Or some sort of iconic thing, you know, like your statue, like your Lee Matthews statue outside the MCG. It's me crunching that backhand. Yeah. In like a bronze statue form? Yeah. Or something else? No, bronze statue. Yeah. I mean, is there any other statues you can get? No, well, like, you know, you could be immortalized like a street or a building or, I don't know, some sort of fountain, <laughs> some sort of mural. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. There's what not I, a lot of other ways to be honoured, I'm realising. but It's not like I'm getting an Eiffel Tower size of me and everyone's just like, oh, yeah, love this guy so much. They could, like, name a tournament after you. I mean, getting a court named after you is pretty big. Yeah. As long as you don't do stupid shit like Margaret Court. Yeah. Well, not stupid shit, just be... Incredibly racist. <laughs> There's that. If you somehow got named like Wimbledon Court One, that would be not like never happen. Yeah. But that would be it. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's a good dream. Yeah, thanks, man. I could also see you doing, I'm back on the ad belt because I just love the ad belt. <laughs> I could also see you doing, you know what I'm going to say, the cologne commercials. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Romance, passion. Hugo Boss. <laughs> it's just like they just really need to go out and find random um, verbs, don't they? Yeah. Just some, yeah. But it's just you like standing in a desert somewhere. You know, it was, it was some weird shit where the person in the ad has probably never been to where the ad's taking place. But I'm wearing clothes that don't fit where I am. Yeah. You've got like a, yeah, you're wearing like a Burberry trench coat, but they're shooting it in like the desert in Arizona. Yeah. I've got like ran. I mean, somehow I'm in the snow, but not like bad snow, but just like the good snow. Yeah, but not wearing appropriate snow stuff. No, you're wearing like a like a really high end cardigan. Yeah, yeah, and a bit of a, a, bit of a turtle, a bit yeah. of a turtle sweater yeah. thing. Oh yeah, the turtle sweater thing. Yeah, yeah. Like we. <laughs> <laughs> so next week we're just going to spend a whole hour talking about what ads we're going to be in. <laughs> All right, so there's some gaps in my one, but that's okay. Because yeah. I think I've I've definitely taken you on a journey of what it would be like to... Well, let's be honest. You've basically just seen Roger Federer's career with some slight tweaks. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I just realised that. You've basically just plagiarised his whole <laughs> career and brand. Uh, yeah, anyway, that's, uh, that's what you get.
We can do my other one another time, but it, the dual sport one would be, I think it would be NBA, but we'll do that another time. Yeah, well, what, I'll do my solo sport one now. Okay. And we'll both do our, our team sport one next week. Okay. So we'll keep good. people on their toes because I'm sure this has either been a very fascinating, entertaining section for them or boring, but either way, they'll... Well, one of the benefits is they're not really going to have much choice. If they've come this far in, they're in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's like why you st- put it at the back end. Yeah, we're like a football club. We're not always going to win the championship. You stick with us. Loyalty. Yeah, I love it. All right. I'm ready. All right, you ready? Yep, I'm ready. All right. So, what's the solo sport? Athletics. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh because this could be shattering your dreams, but athletics is a very interesting choice. It's not lucrative. Yeah. In that sense. I also feel like it's a short career. Yes, but I'm lazy, so that works. Not a bit short, but long. I don't want to grind for 20 years on the circuit. Yeah, but like if you're in four Olympics, that's your entire career, and that's a lot. That's huge. Oh, I'm not doing four Olympics. Fuck no. <laughs> yeah, but how are you going to be epic? No, because I like, so I'm winning the 100, the 200, and then, I mean, technically it's team, but then winning a gold on the relay too. Okay, so really you you're not having a you're not doing the me where I've just beaten Federer and everything. You're having like the greatest single athletic Olympics of all time. Yeah, two in a row. We'll go two in a row. Are you winning the hurdles as well? No. Why not? That'd be cool. No one cares about hurdles. That's just a cool thing to add though. Who's one name one person that's won the hurdles at the Olympics and you can't say Sally Pearson because every Aussie probably knows that. No, I actually forgot that. <laughs> yeah, well there you go. Oh, it's Jeff. Jeff. Oh, uh, yeah. Jeff Steele. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I've literally come. I mean, look, for everyone out there, I'm a six foot two on a good day, six foot three white guy. I'm slightly, I've got a dad bod. So, of course, realistically, I'm never going to win these events. But I'm thinking like the way Usain Bolt won, I would have a similar moment where 30 meters out from the finish line, you I'm, want that al- I'm already looking at the crowd, jacking my chest up as the race is still going. Yes. Like I've got the one finger pointed to the sky, like Freddie Mercury styles at, uh, I forgot the concert, the famous one. Uh, Live Aid. Live Aid. Like the fist in the air, but I've got the one finger pointed up. I've already got the finger up as a winner, but 30 meters before the finish line. I'm breaking the world record. As I blow past the finish line, breaking the world record, I've got the finger up in the air and then I get to do that awesome thing that all the sprinters do where for some reason they're really hot and they got to take the singlet part down (laughs) (laughs) on the kit. Okay, so so you've dominated. You haven't just won. You've dominated. Yeah. So you didn't want to win. You didn't want to build the story where you'd won three of the four events and there's one to come. And there was like your main competitor was like hot and you were a bit iffy. You didn't want the comeback story? No. I've just, I've, for two Olympics in a row, I've just murked everybody. Full world record? Like genuine smacking world records around? Yeah. Like a lot, but not that much that people are like, you've been on drugs? No, well, they'll say that anyway because I'm a white guy winning the 100 meter sprint. That's but, a very good point. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So that's your iconic moment, the 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 Usain Bolt. Yeah, like that Olympic moment of, you know, and then like winning the relay, like, but I've got the last leg, so technically I'm still by myself. Yeah, dominating. Yeah, like running down the Jamaicans. 
with 20 meters left in the rear life. See, that would be cool. See, that'd be better. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and you'd be with the Australian. I mean, you'd be with the Australian. So our relay team would suck. Exactly. In comparison. Yeah. So we're getting just cooked on that third leg because it's always a spud runner on the third leg that you've never heard of. You know, you kind of know like the fastest, maybe two guys. You kind of heard the third guy because he came dead last in the first round of heats. Yeah. But there's that fourth guy that you just who the fuck is that? Like that guy's cooked me. Yep. So then there's that awesome just mowing down. Oh, the mowing down. The mow down. See? See? All right, good. You you threw me under the bus. You didn't. I'm telling you. Full stadium and the mow down victory in the relay. Look, I threw you under the bus to, to, you know, get the best out of you. So then in the mow down, the celebration would not be the finger raised to the sky arrogance. It would be that just like silent chest puffing, staring at the crowd. Just, you know it. Yeah, like the Cristiano Ronaldo post-goal score, the arms down just to like... Yeah. Yeah. All right, good. Yeah, so there's that. Um, what's next? Okay, so athletics probably has a bit more sound work. So you've got some opportunity to play with your pre pre and post-game soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So what do you got for, I guess, entrance? Uh, entrance song, but just, it's you. You're, you're the, big, the big dogs on the park. What's getting played? Dre, next episode. (laughs) (laughs) I'm fucking with everybody when I'm coming out to the starting blocks. Okay. And then the celebration of you just, you know, the inauguration of you being the greatest athletic sprinter. What's the the tune? The Verve, Bittersweet Symphony. So the Rolling Stones are loving that because they just get another couple more dollars. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, oh, no, no, because I've prearranged Richard Ashcroft to come and perform it live. <laughs> so he's still got to pay a performance, right? But I suspect that's smaller than them licensing it from the Verve soundtracks and doing it that way. But yes. Okay, so the, just for clarity, there's no other narratives. It's, it's a pretty straight... No, I've got a rampant drug problem. I'm from the streets. Cool. Like, I'm coming from nothing. So this is in, this is in your doco. Yeah. And your narrator of your doco? Uh, in parts, a lot myself. <laughs> <laughs> it came out a lot worse. There's a lot of on-camera stuff that I'm talking about. Okay. So you're really, to be fair, you're doing the MJ approach to The Last Dance. Yeah. Well, I mean, unlike MJ, I've been getting like 20 grand a year doing athletics. So yeah. I've got to be on-camera talent. I can't afford to pay a narrator. Look, that's very true. Yeah. I need to maximize my earning capacity in every other way, shape, or form. Good. I like it. So I'm going down that path. Um, but then, yeah, I'll obviously have, and then I'll go the route instead of a narrator, like other athletic greats that talk about how good I was. So I'm getting like Kathy Freeman to say, you know, for a second there, I thought he would take some of the like glory away from my moment at Sydney Olympics. And then they can have that great scene where I kind of laugh it off. Like, nah, Kathy, that scene's the greatest ever. But I was pretty good. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that bit, you know, I'll have Usain Bolt going like, Phew. like he's just got, you know, like those classic scenes where he just does some sort of like, oh. would have loved to erase him. Yeah. Like Carl Lewis can come on and say something outlandish. Is that when he's talking, they also cut to some weird... You know how they do the cheesy thing where before those Olympics, they get him back and they do like, you know, they do the relay baton handover and there's like all the cameras around and they're like, ah, high fives. Yeah, All that sort of thing. All that cheesy stuff. Good. Um, Okay, what else? So 
we're going there. We're going down the ad path. Yes. So, what is your ad during your campaign, and then afterwards? So while I'm like a like in my moment, still. Yeah. So this this is the you, you know you're building the still Olympics. competitive. You, you, you yeah. peak. You peak. Let's call it athletic endorsement. Sure. But you know you can also be you know fierce. Yeah. Honest. So because I've had like a troubled past with alcoholism, drugs, arrogance, I've spoken like in ill way towards the United States. So I never got a Nike deal. So instead I signed with Adidas based out of Germany. Good. (laughs) And athletics is a very, it's still a very traditional European sport in some regards. Like, you know, the circuit in in Europe is still a big thing. So my, like my value in Europe is better. Yep. So I've signed with Adidas. Adidas have done a series of ads involving like young kids, like from different parts of the world. You know, like those ads where I'm inspiring them to do shit like me. This is the, th- that's a soccer ad. That's a classic soccer ad. <laughs> or like a want to be like Mike ad. Yeah. So like my finger to the sky celebration that I do before I won the race, there's some little kid in like Venezuela who's running a race like in some poor neighborhood and he's beating his friends and he's doing that before he front, you know? Yeah. Like uh, that kind of stuff. So I'm inspiring generations yeah, to point. stay fit and run, Aaron. Oh, I like it. Yeah. It's very inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my kind of like big Adidas campaign and it's all just shamelessly done by my Swiss-based PR company who know that I'm a garbage human behind closed doors. So it's all about like... Just reframing the narrative. Reframing the narrative. Good. So I'm all about the kids. Post-career, I'm flogging everything in every part of the globe. I'm doing hairdryer commercials in China. I'm doing cricket commercials in Pakistan. I don't even (laughs) play cricket, but I'm flogging my own cricket products. Like I'm going like kiss the band where I've got every single ridiculous bit of merchandise under the sun. Good. I like this. Yeah. It's a little bit Trumpian as well. Like, you know, like I've got my own fast food chain that I open up, like Cordo's Grill. Does that mean you're going to like go into the political landscape afterwards? Is that like the no, tier three? No, I'll always threaten to. Okay. You're always thinking about it. Yeah. I'm all, yeah. Like I'm always talking like I think I can, but then quietly behind closed doors, professionals are always convincing me you're a moron. You can't. Yep. Okay, good. Um, so yeah, so I'm building, I'm not building my net worth in a classy way that you are with your Mercedes ads and your cologne ads, (laughs) but I'm probably making more money than you because you're getting like a $10 million fee to do your Gucci ads or whatever, right? For your cologne. But I'm getting like $180 million because I've got an ownership stake in my dodgy, uh, you know, like washing detergent company. Correct. (laughs) Yeah, so like people sit there and go like, isn't he that athletics guy? He's like, yeah, but he also owns 11% in the Fumau company. What's the Fumau company? Oh, they're the world's biggest dishwasher tablet producer. <laughs> like it's some obscure thing like that. I like it. Yeah. So I think the only one was, I oh, know you already entered that one. So I can't yeah. really think of any other key line items. Oh, my monument? Yeah. It's very serious, this one. I was thinking like like Baskin and Robbins create my own ice cream flavor. <laughs> is it going to be limited edition or is it going to be like a staple? Because isn't that how they roll? 
No, it'd be one that runs for a few years and then gets run out of the market because much like the way I'll let my body go, mine will have the most carbs and sugar <laughs> and stuff in it. So it'll cause like chronic weight gain, but it'll taste amazing. Would you also like dip into the, um, you do like the Ben and Jerry's flavor, but then also like the, you, you somehow lobbied a new McDonald's meal that's named after you as well. On the oh, side. that would be amazing. So that's re- that's going. really what you want. Yeah, like for every time the Olympics are on, they change the name of nuggets to like... <laughs> Cordos. Yeah, or huggets, like <laughs> heart nuggets or something. You know what I mean? Like nuggets. Like, like I think they'd be open to it. <laughs> yeah. A big quarter with cheese. Like just hearing people say that in a drive-in. Oof. So that's my vision. All right. I love it. Well, that was a fun uh, journey. Stay tuned next week for the team versions of our celebrations, victories, great sporting achievements, alter egos. Um, As, thank you very much. Thank you, Court. That was fun. Always is, man. I look forward to your career as a Roger Federer clone. Yep, thanks, man. I'm looking forward to the, uh, the last-minute uh, Olympics call-up. Is ever the time? Now's the time. Exactly. No one will see it coming. <laughs> um, and anyone out there who's thinking of starting a uh, a dodgy washing detergent company or something like that, I am interested. Um, but look, um, thanks as always for giving your time listening to us. You can now find us on www.thesidelines.space. Uh, where you can click through and find all of our podcasts and a few little funny stories and blogs here and there. You can also find us on Instagram. And you can find us on all your major Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, all those platforms. Um, So thanks again and we'll see you next time. See you later, guys.